Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome to Big Squid. My name is Justin Hamilton, and a big hello from Brisbane which for people overseas is in Queensland, which is at the right-hand north side of Australia, uh, which is also a part of the world, which is the one place in the universe that just experienced episode six of Watchmen. Uh, I'm joined for this podcast by my good pal, Stav Davidson, a Brisbane comedian whose X-Men mutant ability is the power to experience an incredibly successful 13-year career in commercial radio, when he's really secretly one of us. Uh, it was great to have Stav on this episode of the podcast and, uh, you know, specifically to talk about one of the best episodes of TV I think I've watched in a long time, possibly ever. I don't want to be too full of hyperbole, but there are specific episodes of TV over the years that have stuck with me. Um, I'd say the Mad Men episode, The Suitcase, is one such example, like a just a perfect episode of television. Uh There's an episode of ER where Doug Ross saves a young boy from a water drain that has stuck with me over the years. That was the episode that I remember turning around to my friends and saying, George Clooney's going to be a movie star and everyone hung shit on me. I was was on the Clooney train very early, back in the Roseanne days, so I'm (laughs) very happy with the way that turned out. Uh, Matt Smith's first episode of Doctor Who is a scorcher. Uh, you know, on the comedy side, the University Challenge episode of The Young Ones. Uh, all great, great episodes of television. And uh, maybe the final four minutes of Six Feet Under. I think that almost put me through an early menopause. I cried so hard at the end of that. I was, it was very cathartic, actually. Uh, I, I now think that Damon Lindelof and his team have produced three, yeah, three such episodes for me over uh, the years that have just been perfect episodes of television. Like, specifically, the kind of episodes that you feel that you just could, in the middle of a season, just go back and watch that one episode and and get all the same emotions from it. Like, if you were a fan of Lost, uh, I think it was The Constant, uh, International Assassin from The Leftovers. Though, 
there's there's lots of episodes of The Leftovers that really stand out for me. But uh, International Assassin is maybe the the one that when I was watching it made me think, holy shit, is this happening? Like what a what a big swing, you know? You, you've you've taken all your ideas and you've really gone for it, and it's fantastic. And now, this episode, this extraordinary being from Watchmen is. Just unbelievable. I'd read that episode six was a game changer and I had high hopes and I also had a pretty firm belief it was going to be fantastic and it exceeded all of my expectations. This episode is going to stay with me for a long time and I'm equally excited and disappointed we only have three more episodes to go. Um, I've just come back from hosting a, a comedy gig so I recorded the interview with Stav and then I had to go and host this gig and now I'm back recording the intros and the outros and while I was at the gig I found it difficult to not explain to the audience that I didn't respect any of them because they were at the gig and they should have been at home trawling the internet to pick up on all the hidden beats of <laughs> this episode. So I've literally just returned home now to uh, do some extra homework before we get to Stav and, uh, and I've just had a very quick flick uh, uh, through social media and it appears to be universal love uh, for what we witnessed today. Uh, this makes me very happy because I hate the narrative that attached to Lindelof. It's an attitude that, in my opinion, was formed by ignorance. And while I'm not saying this will apply to everyone, the, 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 the stories that abound and the opinions that uh, have attached themselves to the ending of Lost, I, I just for the majority of the time, don't think they're correct. Like, like, of course, your opinion is your opinion, but sometimes your opinion is based on not enough information. <laughs> and, you know, the amount of people I've spoken to who hated the end of Lost, who either didn't watch the whole series or dipped in and out before making up their minds. And it was like, well, it wasn't that kind of show. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, if you watched every episode and you understood everything that happened and you still didn't like it, well, that's fair enough. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. But every one of my friends who did watch the show in that way loves the ending. And I, like, I recently had an old pal of mine tell me that uh, she thought the ending was awful and then admitted she only watched season one and the finale. And that does my head in <laughs> like that like that that's unfair to to what he did and 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 what his team created you know it's like you don't pick up a book read the first page read the last page and go oh god that was bullshit great expectations no thanks do you know what i mean people giving their opinions without thinking through the process has become a regular way of life but back Back at the end of uh, of Lost, it, it, it was it was relatively new online, and it, and we just kind of conceded that the vocal majority must be correct, and then the thing that worked against Lindelof, in my opinion, and this is just me reading it from afar, is that he's really funny and he's self-effacing, and idiots would look at his profile on Twitter where his bio used to state he was a creator of Lost and even he didn't understand it, and they'd think that was a fact, like that was an admission of guilt. And if there was any lesson I learned from Lindelof, it was don't be self-effacing online because people don't read things properly. People don't read things correctly. And all you do is set yourself up for a fall. And that, that, that type of humour is wasted on the masses. And I think he was, um, he was hounded for people being incorrect about him. 
And uh, I, for one, have always thought the ending to Lost was great. And then I think he surpassed his work with The Leftovers. And I have a feeling that this team of writers, directors, actors, and everyone involved in this production, I think they're about to go one step better. Like I, like I truly believe that. And I'm so wrapped with what they've done with this series. And I'm, and I'm glad that I stayed a true believer because it's been nothing but reward after reward. So I, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. I, I feel really inspired watching it. And it, it reminds you that entertainment can be art and it can be political and it can be so many things without ever forgetting that it's there to be pure entertainment. Uh, oh God, I'm rambling. I'm so into this. I'm a bit tired as well. It's, it's been a long day. I'm, I'm used to <laughs> recording... I'm used to watching the episode, writing, uh, you know, doing a whole lot of research, writing a script, you know, then watching the episode again, then recording with friends and then producing uh, before before heading to bed. <laughs> I had to go and do a gig. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's been a long day. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep this quick. Uh, remember that the second official HBO podcast is out. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm saving it for my flight down to Melbourne tomorrow. Uh, and also, I, I would much prefer to produce this podcast and then, uh, you know, come up with my own thoughts and ideas before hearing anything official. So, if you've listened to both and I'm way off base to anything they've said, I'll follow that up on the episode later this week. Uh, I've also seen a lot of people stating uh, online, oh, now I'm on board after this episode. And it's a sentiment I appreciate intellectually, but emotionally I just want to write to people and say, what What took you so long? This has been quality from the opening scenes. It's 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 intriguing, it's exciting, it feels dangerous, it's, it's inspiring. And uh, look, I often cop a lot of shit from my friends who make fun of me for loving TV shows or loving movies or loving albums like it's a weakness. And I just decided that's why I need to make new friends. And I'm very happy to be passionate and inspired by great work. Why wouldn't you be excited about this? Regina King acted the shit out of this episode, and in some scenes, she was just blinking. Like, blinking. How good is that? Anyway, I'm rambling. I have a tendency to do this. And we also have an episode to get to. Uh, look, make sure you don't forget to check out PDpedia for more info. There's a memo from Laurie. There's a memo from Agent Petey about Nelson Gardner's will. That's got some interesting information in it. And there's a page from the Talk of Tulsa Society reporter that has some potential gossip that will raise your eyebrows. I read this after the recording with Stav, and I definitely nodded at some of the so-called fiction written in there. A lot of strokey beard meeting, a lot of, hmm, that's, that's fascinating. So uh, don't forget PDpedia. And you know what, let's just get into it. I'll check in at the end to wrap things up. But I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And more importantly, I really hope you love the episode of Watchmen that inspired it. So,
So to prepare for this episode, uh, you were just telling me uh, before I pressed the button and, and why comedians ever have conversations without microphones now because it's all, all wasted. Well, uh, our phones content. are always listening. Does that count? We could <laughs> yeah. get it off of Apple, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. if we asked them nicely. <laughs> so we don't have to repeat this. <laughs> um, but you were saying that to get ready for this podcast, uh, you were a little bit behind uh, with your episode watching. And so do, did you watch the, the, the previous episode all the way through before watching this one or were you halfway through it's it? halfway or? through, which is no ter- terrible form on my behalf. I never normally do that. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm, a, I'm a one episode a week guy, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Um, but I've just been so busy in the lead yeah. up to Christmas that, I, yeah, I caught the first half and then um, had to, something came up and, yeah, so I watched the second half of that episode. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you were saying that it was, like, uh, you were a bit frustrated because it, that, like that, like, until you mentioned it, because this episode was... So far off. And so dense yes. as well. Like, I, as I was saying to you as we were walking up, I, I've done so much work on this and I reckon I've missed most of it. Oh, but right. uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'd forgotten, like, it's like I'd completely forgotten exactly what had happened with mm. the last episode. And that finished on a hell of a cliffhanger. Yes, it did. So, yes. that's, uh, that's a rough... <laughs> Turnaround, isn't it? So, oh, I guess I'll find out what. Uh, no, uh, no, not no, at all. Not at all. Not at all. Which th- it, it has been doing in other episodes. It yep. does branch off, which, you know, so I think it was just the fact that it was just straight in that was a bit jarring. Yeah. And because it was a bit of a cliffhanger, I really wanted to know what happened. But, right. Yeah. But it was a great episode. Oh, magnificent, and, right? Um, the reveal of Veet uh, telling what we all know, if you've read the comics, yep. to be true, but you weren't sure how they were going to do that or if. Anyone was going to find out, and yeah, what that's done to um, uh, the Mirror Man. When, when did you <laughs> that uh, dismissive uh, name by Laurie mm, makes me she laugh is so much? So good, isn't she? Yeah, amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, when, when was the uh, so before, actually before I ask this question, when did you read the comic as single issues or as a graphic novel? As a graphic novel, I was actually thinking about this um, when I knew I was going to do this. I read it pretty late in my comic right. book um, career because I was so no, oh, not. I was scared of it in a way. Right. Because it was like the one, right? And it was so adult and you if you didn't like it, there was something wrong with you. Oh, yeah. You know, and I was really apprehensive about reading it in case I didn't get it or, yeah. you know. So I read it, I bought it in New York and I read right. it on the plane back to New York. And I oh, right. It. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, a, that's kind of like a perfect uh, plane uh, reading um, mm. uh, 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 reading book uh, comic because it is uh, you know you're, you're trapped yep. so there's nothing else to focus on yep. and you might as well just keep focusing on this yeah yeah fantastic how yeah. old were you uh, that was about ten twelve years ago right so, yeah and was there anything surprising about it like did you kind of read it and it did had people said things to you that when you read it, you thought, oh, that's not quite right or hang no. on, how did they leave this bit out or... Yeah, no, um, because I think I was very, until I met you and other people like you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was very singular in my comic book. Oh, right. Chatting to people. Right. Uh, and my wife doesn't... I think she read Watchmen. Eventually I said, you should probably read it. Right. Um, but yeah, I didn't really... So no one had ever said this, this, this is what happens. To, you know, it's a, right. all the political stuff that's in there I, I sort of went in cold just, yeah yeah oh that's good yeah it was great that, that's a that's a great way to tackle it uh Siobhan Coombs who's been a guest on this podcast uh you know she had too many people rave at her yeah, about right. it so when she was going into it she <laughs> you know she said I was almost like nah yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy this out of spite yeah but well now it's kind of like I think if I read it now if I had never read it it's kind of like the Citizen Kane of or the Godfather where you can't read it 
without realizing it was the one that did everything first. Right. Because it's been done so often. Like, yeah. I read The Tick, which was kind of a parody spin-off version yeah. of it, you know, yeah. a bit more jokey, obviously. But I'd read that and that made, made The Tick make a lot more sense. But right. I think n- not knowing all the other ones and all the stuff that's come since, it was a good time to read it because, yeah, you can't read anything else. You can't read that now without seeing its effects on so many other comics it's yeah. it's funny as well uh it's uh i feel that way about pulp fiction yeah you know pulp fiction really made non-linear storytelling in movies become a become a thing and yeah. then and then i went back and i remember a few years ago trying to re-watch pulp fiction and suddenly uh, i wasn't enjoying it i was like oh god i've seen this so often and then yeah. i was like oh yeah no this is this is the movie that made it popular. The Godfather for me. I couldn't yeah. watch The Godfather because it's just like you've seen a parody so often oh, and you've yeah. just seen gangster movies so often that you're like, yeah, I've seen this all before, but then you've got to go, no, this was the one that did it. And, yeah. You, know, you have yeah. to try and recreate the context. Yeah. So when in episode five did you realise you were going to see the squid? Oh, don't know if I did. Right. Yeah, until it occurred. I saw the date and I was right. like, oh, uh, right. oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I was sitting there just for that opening going, yeah. oh, I wonder if we're going to see it. And then as soon as the accident happened and yeah. that, that camera started panning back, it yeah. was like, well, here we go. You've just justified the title to this podcast. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> And then you saw the eye when the yeah. was on the TV as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into this episode. Uh, this uh, this episode six was called "This Extraordinary Being," and we open on an episode of American Hero Story, where Hood of Justice is brought in by the federal agents to be blackmailed into doing work for them. They reveal that Captain Metropolis is trying to blackmail J. Edgar Hoover with photos of the two of them having sex, and the FBI want Hood of Justice to go in to retrieve that film. But first, they insist that Hood of Justice takes off his mask so they can take a photo to use as leverage. Hood of Justice complies and reveals his handsome Caucasian face and then beats the federal agents to death. It, is there a part of you that wishes that they would actually just make American Hero Story and put it up as a... <laughs> they probably will eventually, oh my won't God. they? Yeah, yeah, like, it's so good. It's so good. It, it's ultra-violent, obviously, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but great. Uh, and the, um, I thought the... At the, start, what would I, the, the transitions in this episode... Amazing. All of them. And yeah. so the very first one where it was Watchmen and then went to Minutemen. Minute yeah. And then from then on it was great. But yeah, and then to the reveal later on yeah. that how wrong they're getting that story. Right. You know, yeah. But it was great. And it builds seamlessly off the graphic novel, you know, because mm-hmm. I think it's uh, that Rolf Mueller. The, mm. uh, so, you know, it, it, it doesn't... What I like is often when you add something to an original piece of work you you compromise mm. that original piece mm-hmm. but this doesn't compromise the graphic novel in any way At like all. they they didn't know who he was they were mm. hypothesizing mm-hmm. there was already rumors that he was maybe gay mm-hmm. and there's there was already you know I, I've, I've seen i haven't had a lot uh, a lot of time to look online but i've seen a, a few people be a bit confronted by uh, the, the sexuality of some of the characters in this right. series. And it's it's fascinating because it's it's there in the original text. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to, to be able to give it a, a, a new spin. Mm. But when he... 
beats the shit out of those agents and then looks right down the camera yeah. and says, cheese. Yes. It's like... I wrote that down in my notes. <laughs> cheese in capitals. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, man, it made me laugh so much. Well, Just even the, there was a reference there to... Because the comedian mentioned that the ropes were a gay thing for him. Yeah. In the comics, or someone did. Yeah, yeah. something like that. There, yeah, there yeah. was an implication. Mm. So, yeah, but we, we get a nice uh, twist on that. I also like that, obviously, in this uh, world, they, you know, it's like having TV in 1987. Like, mm. there's obviously, like, four channels yeah. <laughs> and yeah. only a few shows to choose yeah. from. when you've got one big show, you know it's not the saturated market we've got at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone's watching yeah, it, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how many people, like, I wonder how many people know the, the rumours about J. Edgar Hoover and his... Because uh, that's that's a tasty little morsel. Yeah, because mm. I love the I love the agents saying, "Well, we know it's not him; it's yeah. just someone that looks like him." But we need you to go in and get the film. Yeah, <laughs> but having said that, maybe in this universe he isn't. Maybe he isn't. Yeah. No, I reckon he'd do I the reckon same he everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we return to the present time to find Laurie attempting to convince Angela to sign a release form so they can pump her stomach after she ingested her grandfather's nostalgia pills. Angela has trouble concentrating as the pills begin to kick in and eventually she finds herself trapped in her grandfather's memories. Suddenly, Angela finds herself in the New York City Police Cadets of 1938 where a young Will Reeves is receiving his badge at his graduation. The white sergeant walks past, totally ignoring the young African-American, but instead an older African-American policeman, Lieutenant Battle, welcomes him to the force and whispers that he should beware of the Cyclops. Uh, coming up a little bit later, uh, Lieutenant Battle was a real person. So oh, right. that, that was uh, an interesting thing to learn. So was the guy in the movie, wasn't he? The sheriff? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Bass Reeves yeah. was uh, a real person. Yeah. Uh, over 3,000 arrests, uh, killed 14 men in self-defence, sometimes covered himself up because people would get freaked out by mm. an African-American lawman. Uh, supposedly uh, spent time working with uh, a Native American uh-huh. and hence that's where the, the inspiration for the Lone Ranger comes yeah, from. Yeah. yeah. i tell you what, this series entertains and makes me more knowledgeable <laughs> and unwrapped. <laughs> why can't all, like, why well, can't all learning, uh, you know... Because not all writers are that good. Yeah, that's right. Because even Tulsa was a huge shock to me. And that, oh, yeah. that should not be what yeah. happened there, you know. And it's, yeah. it was a huge shock to a lot of Americans. Oh, yeah. It's crazy know? when you were, yeah. like, at first you're feeling bad because you're thinking, how could I not know about this? Mm. And then you're looking online going, oh, how could everyone yeah. not know about this? So, yeah, yeah fascinating. Um, Will goes to dinner with June, a newspaper reporter, his lover, and the baby that a young Will found in a field when Tulsa was attacked back in 1921. She tells Will she is worried what the badge will do to him because of his anger issues, a flaw he doesn't quite recognise. On the job, Will watches a white man known as Fred throw a Molotov cocktail into a Jewish delicatessen, and when Will tries to stop him, the man shows little respect for the black cop. Will takes him into the police station where three white policemen step in to sort out the problem. They give him a sign above their heads that resembles an eye as they tell the rest of the police they have this under control. The next day, while on the street, Fred walks past Will, free as a bird. Will returns to the precinct and asks why Fred was released and he's keen. He's told to keep his head down and stop asking about the sign the white policeman gave. Uh, some of the, what You know, you mentioned transitions before, like the bit where the, the frame of the door is yes. just... 
unbelievable. Amazing. All of that. I, I was halfway through those scenes and I was like, huh, it's a one it's yeah, a wanna, yeah, and then it wasn't quite a wanna. No, uh, but it had a bit of wanners in it, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it and it kind of added to the dreamlike quality of the yeah. way things just moved. And even that the panning around him, and then he becomes her, and then yeah. back around. That was all amazingly yeah. well done. Yeah, and uh, and I. I read briefly that they did it the old-fashioned way. Like, yeah. you know, one would just step out and the yeah. other one would step in. Which and I think you can tell. There were a few cheats, obviously. Yeah. Which I, I got a little bit of um, a Birdman vibe to it as well. With the, with the jazz as the well. The jazz going right. and, and some of the pan shots up to dark and then back down. Like yeah. they did that in that movie to keep the con- uh, continuation going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, all, it was you were just watching. It happens a bit with this show. I sometimes miss things because I'm just watching it, if you know what right. I mean. Right, you know, yeah, for not sure. Not listening, just going, that was beautiful or that was, that was a really good trick that they pulled there well normally when uh making the podcast about the episodes i'll watch it during the day and then i'll work on the script for this and then uh you know people come over and we'll watch it again and then you know then we record the podcast but as you know i've got uh, a gig tonight yeah so it's I always find extra bits and pieces in the the second watch because oh, always you know you can kind of relax into it yeah <laughs> a little bit yeah because you're not waiting to see what's going to happen right yeah right because you also it's funny uh, like I'm loving doing this podcast it's it's right in my wheelhouse but it's no. it's <laughs> what <laughs> is, is anyone listening to this surprised <laughs> but uh, uh, it's funny the uh, you know, it's probably the, the straightest my spine is watching anything because mm. I'm so, you know, like a meerkat trying yeah. to take in everything that's happening. Yeah, I remember being like that with the first few seasons of The Walking Dead. Not anymore, but the first oh, few yeah. seasons, like, you were just like watching yeah, on your... Yeah, What do you reckon it is with The Walking Dead? I feel like it just needs a... It needed a... Like, I, I know the premise is what happens after the movie would end or the normal yeah. zombie story would end. But it's like, it should still have... A story mm. rather than... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I know to complain about that is to kind of miss the point a little mm. bit, but at the same time... I, th- I think it's... I know, and again, with the, the graphic novel, it was supposed to be a long saga of how you would survive in that, but I think it would have benefited from stopping after... It would have been a classic if it had stopped after five seasons. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. I feel like there should, there's never enough chat between the characters about... What do you think started this zombie yeah. apocalypse? Yeah. There's a, like everyone's just like, oh yeah, zombie, zombie apocalypse. apocalypse. Like I'd be like, how did this happen? Yeah. Like, does anyone know where this started? Well, even when the Russian satellite um, fell, they were saying one of the things online was that that's an indication that it's happening in other countries. You're like, yeah. Well, have they not thought about that? Did it, Otherwise you could just get on a plane and go to right. <laughs> Russia and go like, hey, we're fine now. You yeah. know? But of course it is. I would have assumed right. from the get-go. But no one's chatting about it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if that's how it finished. And I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> it, was, it was just this one little pocket of America. It's just Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere else is Everywhere thriving. Else is fine. <laughs> They've been zoned off this whole time. <laughs> uh, that night uh, on his way home, uh, Will is attacked and kidnapped by the policemen who take him away, slip a hood over his head and hang him from a tree. They let him down just as he begins to fade away and is told the next time they won't let Will down uh, to uh, recover. Will is distraught and walks home, the noose still around his neck, the hood in his hand. As he walks down an alley, he sees two people being attacked by a group of men. Without thinking, Will rips eye holes in the hood and slips it over his head before confronting the men. He saves the couple and returns to June that night, battered and bruised. That was um, for, There's been so many... Um, Superman allusions mm. to Hooded Justice, mm. uh, but that was you know getting into the there, there, there were two moments where it was, that felt a bit Batman, yes. and when he's up on the roof 
with the with the binoculars, yeah. which is uh, yeah. which is interesting. And the guy, the new stand was reading Action Comics. Action Comics one, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, uh, I hope he kept uh, a copy of a few of them because uh, <laughs> sold one Nicholas Cage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it was the same tree. I would I would assume. Uh, to me, it looked like the same tree that he's uh, trying. Um, Don no, Johnson but this is in New York, and that tree is in Tulsa. There goes that theory. Gosh. But I, but I reckon the the shape of the tree would definitely be the same shape as the tree as the castle has, uh, you know, on Europa mm. and uh, mm. on Mars. All have all you know resembled each other yeah. as well. So, uh, th- lo- there's so many um, reflections and echoes. It's like a it's like when Nelson and and Will touch hands. That that is uh, that's like. Uh, John Osterman and Janie touching hands over yes. the beer and stuff yeah. like that. It's all done very similarly. Uh, the next day, the exploits of Hood of Justice have made the papers and June draws a parallel between the movie about Bass Reeves uh, that uh, he watched as a kid and his desire for justice. June suggests he paints his eyes white under the mask because people won't accept a black man placing himself above the law. Hood of Justice heads to the grocery store uh, owned by Fred, who burnt down the Jewish deli and finds the Ku Klux Klan hiding in the back. Hood of Justice breaks in and takes them down, but also finds uh, a book about uh, the power of mesmerism. Uh, that scene was uh, that was like that was getting right into Zack Snyder territory when he yes. froze, and I was like, and then the camera's moving around. Yeah, the and window then, shot was amazing. Oh, yeah, and then then it's Laurie and Cal talk. Great, just Amazing. great. <laughs> do we do we need to talk about the fact that he's white facing, or are we just not going to bother? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's fine actually. I feel like <laughs> he's allowed. He's allowed completely. Um, we cut back to the present where Laurie has. I bet you there will be some asshole watching it who Going. will go, "Oh, Mike, you know, you get upset about people in blackface, and what's he doing whiteface? Yeah. Like, am I meant to think this is okay?" And the answer to that is yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we cut back to the present where Laurie is brought has brought in Angela's husband Cal to try and help her fight the effects of the nostalgia drug. It appears to begin to work before once again Angela is subsumed by her grandfather's memories. Back in the past, Nelson Gardner approaches Will and June, telling them that Hood of Justice has inspired a bunch of people to fight crime as superheroes, but they want the OG to join them. Nelson thinks that Will is giving advice to Hood of Justice and gives him a card. Uh, soon, Will has not only agreed to join this team called the Minutemen, but he is also in a sexual relationship with the closeted Nelson. June is against the idea of joining the Minutemen and possibly of <laughs> what else you, you is going on. Assume, yeah. yeah, she's pretty smart, so yes. I have a feeling that she'd uh, be across this. Uh, but Will needs help taking down Cyclops and figures this is his best bet. Yet when they introduce Hood of Justice along with the rest of the team, it soon appears that the heroes aren't very interested in tackling a secret racist conspiracy. One day, a group of African-American people at a movie theatre riot for no real reason. Will talks to the woman who says something happened on the screen that made them go crazy. And while she talks, Will sees a man take the projector out the back and drive it away. Will follows it down to a warehouse and calls Nelson to gather the Minutemen, but once again is rebuffed. Will discovers Fred owns the warehouse, and when they talk, Will gives in to his anger and shoots the man dead. Inside, he shoots most of the men before finding one man in a room left recording new cues to inspire black people to attack one another. Will strangles him and then burns down the warehouse, but not before taking the projector with him. That night, he returns home to find his son dressing up as Hooded Justice. Will is mortified, and when he tries to remove the makeup, his wife tells him that she's taking their son and moving back to Tulsa. We cut to Will, an old man in a wheelchair, and we see when Judge Judge Crawford's... uh, 
tires exploded. With a torchlight device that allows Will to mesmerise Judd, he takes him down to the tree and convinces the police chief to hang himself. Angela suddenly wakes up, an IV in her arm and Lady True waiting for her. I was I know it was only a, a, a small moment, but I was wrapped to have Lady True come back. Right. She's become one of my firm favourites. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she is amazing. Yeah. Um, and that IV, like... What, what was that? Holy <laughs> shit. It was either that or she was getting liposuction. I wasn't sure which way. <laughs> right, yeah. Maybe maybe they pumped out the drug and the two for one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was crazy. Even the, the fact that... Because that whole time he's been saying that he was the person that, that yeah. killed um, the judge. And you were like, of course he isn't. It's yeah. But he was. He was. He was. He, he did do it. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. So, uh, so there's a few things that I wanted to discuss with you. Uh, cultural appropriation has long been a part of society from Elvis Presley uh, borrowing the moves and sounds of Chuck Berry and Fats Domino to Quentin Tarantino finding his aesthetic in exploitation films. And I wondered, what did you think of an African-American superhero inspiring white people to take up the fight in the Watchmen world? Yeah, it was interesting. I loved the fact that he had to pretend to be white. Yeah. I thought that was very clever. Yeah. Um, and because up until up until that point, especially at the opening scene um, when it wasn't him, obviously. Right. Uh, but I thought it was going to be um, Justin Theroux um, as a little, you know. So I've been hoping that um, Justin Theroux will be Dr. Manhattan because oh. we all know the the rumours of Thoreau's manhood yes. in the leftovers. So <laughs> it feels like it would be it it feels like it would be the delightfully childish kind of gag that Lindelof would yeah. uh, throw our way. And and he would be great. He'd be well. good. Yeah, he's always oh, good. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah. Um that's uh yeah. Yeah, you know what? I can see how that would have popped into your head yeah. as well. Just looking at the eyes, I thought, oh, there we go. Yeah, and, then, and then for the, the TV, um, the show to take it in a completely different direction and have it be not him at all yeah. and not even the same colour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very interesting. I thought that the turn on um, uh, Captain... The Metropolis. Metropolis was a little bit quick. And even like when he was um, on the phone to him and he was like, I'm not coming to help you. But he was right. still like, but if you want to come around for a shag... I'd, I'd really like that. Well, yeah. I guess it's um, I, I guess it's like it's almost Hood of Justice inspires all these white people to be superheroes. Mm. But you see this in all sorts of art movements. Invariably, people are inspired by the wrong aspects of it. Yeah. You know, I think we've discussed in the past, like you know, when we first started doing stand-up comedy and everyone wanted to be Bill Hicks. Yes, but they were missing the point to yeah. Bill Hicks. They were just trying to be dark comedians yeah. rather than make a good social point with a funny joke. And you know? now it's Louis C.K. Uh, right. Everyone's you know. trying to be him. Yeah, yeah and, and people miss the, 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 the thing that makes what they're doing special. Yeah. And it feels like this is exactly what happened here where, you know, hey, this guy's fighting crime. And, you know, you would have in the comic, you've got Hollis Mason who seems like a, a decent dude. He's mm. a cop who just wants to do the right thing. But, uh, you know, Captain Matro... Well, he's... A, he's called Captain Metropolis. Yes, that's true. <laughs> he's really, he's really gone <laughs> there's, for a... There's a hint there. A very grandiose <laughs> name. Uh, and they seem to be more, you know, like they're talking about... Uh, Super Moloch. villains and, yeah. And he's, uh, you know, in the comic, they've got the, the, the device that he was going to use yeah. to burn the city with, the, uh, with using the power of the sun. Mm. And also, you know, once again, uh, the the cultural appropriation is evident in the fact that Dollar Bill is already, you know, making money helping out banks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and also uh, attacking a caricature of mm. a black man as well. And 
Now that I think about it, would Hooded Justice, obviously, he probably isn't in the comics, mm. but is he the only African-American superhero in the entire series? Yeah, yeah. I think it has been a, uh, a criticism of Watchmen, which I did not pick up on as a kid, but there mm. is essentially only one African-American the couple, yeah. and that's the uh, psychiatrist. Uh. Uh, and, oh, and there's... Um, the young fellow, the kid at the Bernard, newsstand, uh, yeah. or Bernard, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so this is, uh, you know, this is kind of rectifying an oversight. I don't think, you know, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons and uh, no. are in any way racist or, no. or sexist or anything. No, I think if you've got a blue guy, they probably think that that, that oh, box right. is ticked. <laughs> right. We've, we've yeah. got someone of color. <laughs> we've got someone of color. Yeah, uh, wrong color. Wrong uh, color. Yeah, wrong color. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's that's been interesting, and I think the. Uh, I'd, I'd read an interview with Lindelof well before the series came out and he talked obliquely about this episode being... There was something that he was going to reveal in this episode mm. that spun it around for him and I think it was like the key to unlocking why he wanted to do it because in the, he'd been offered it twice before, I think, and he right, knocked and he it back. No. And then they had this idea and then it was like, oh, hang on, this... This now breathes a life into it that it needs. Mm. And I think it was Hooded Justice being right. African-American. Because you'd mentioned to me before we did this one that you'd heard that this was a big yeah. turning point episode. Yeah. So i gotta, I got to admit, I was waiting for a bit of Dr. Manhattan most of the way through. Oh, right, that's, yeah. Because that's, that's got to be coming soon. Something big is going to happen there, you know. You know, he has to make an appearance. It's, he's, he's, he's Chekhov's omnipotent gun, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, he's in the trailer. <laughs> he's in the trailer. So, yeah. But then again, you know, in the trailer, it, it, so I, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been meaning to say this after last week. Uh, in the trailer, it, the implication is him picking up a Dr. Manhattan mask at the fair. Yes. But we've seen that the fair is in the past. Mm. So... Can he can time travel. Can he? They said that in this episode. Was that last week's episode? Well, they, no, they said that he couldn't. But then yeah. they've also said that he can't change colour. And I don't know. There's just, you know, but then... American hero stories telling us that Hooded Justice was white. Yeah. So I don't trust anything that any character is saying no. in this, and I feel like it's um, deliberately there to obfuscate us, you yeah. know? <laughs> well, even a lot of the theme of last week's episode was what is true. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, I just wanted to add it was interesting that Will gets a look at Action Comics number one, which is, of course, where Superman uh, first debuted, a hero created by Jewish men. Uh, and uh, he. he sees that just as he sees Fred who burned down the Jewish delicatessen yes. walk past. Uh, I guess that shows the difference between superhero justice and real world justice. Also handed shown to him by an immigrant news mm. vendor. You know, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so Will paints his eyes white because white society wouldn't support a black man fighting crime while Angela paints her eyes black in open defiance of the 7th Cavalry. Yes. Uh, does this imply there has been some improvement in society toward racial in inequality or does it just mean that racism has had to find creative ways to thrive no i think i think there is an insinuation that it is better and because i mean she's i mean she's not openly a policeman because none of the police are open um, no. but she's definitely more accepted onto the force and um african americans in general are more accepted on the force than he was in yeah, his day that's true and in uh in the background of when we first go to the police precinct you know when the camera pulls out of the uh, of, of american hero story you can hear people asking if she's okay yeah so you would you would hazard a guess that she is mm. pretty popular yeah yeah and there's even the russian 
um, yep. police officer as well. So there seems to be a, bo- a bit more immigration and a bit more acceptance of, of other societies, I yep. think. Um, but no, so I, I, don't, I don't think... But I did notice that she, she is openly black while he is openly white. That was a really nice yeah. nice touch. It was um, uh, on our Facebook page, I think after the first episode... Um, who was it? I think it was uh, my friend Emily wrote that she uh, thought that he was Hood of Justice and my first reaction was, oh, but Hood of Justice was white. And then after she'd made that suggestion, every time, because you saw the motif of her spray painting mm-hmm. her eyes black mm-hmm. and you saw it, like you saw her do that maybe three times and because you kept seeing it, then I started thinking, oh, maybe she was right, yeah. maybe, uh, you know, th- with the spray painting. Mm. So then we saw that uh, that was true. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's... That's fascinating, isn't it? It's yeah. really, it's really taken a, a, a very minor character in the comic, who even then is dressed in so much uh, uh, ambiguity. Yeah. And once again, I'm I'm amazed at how you can uh, redefine a character without in any way making it uh, jar with yeah. a graphic novel. No, it completely makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, we have the Seventh Cavalry hiding their faces, and uh, and it, it feels like people have changed their hats. You know, like in the Bass Reeves movie, the hero is all in black, and the bad guys all dressed in white. Yeah. So, uh, e- even though in many ways the colours of the world look like raw sharks' mask, it's uh, it's it's much greyer. Mm. It's, uh, it's fascinating the way this is all being used. Uh, w- speaking of colour, what did you think of the use of black and white with splashes of colour? Like it was, uh, f- in some ways, it, you know, it's a clever way to show the difference between deep memories and the present. Yeah. But there was a part of me that wondered if Will was a big fan of Spielberg's Pale Horse movie. Nice, but yes. <laughs> yes. So that's how he remembers things. Yeah, yeah, that could be true because I did, and, and again, because I'd watched them so close together, that was very front of yeah. mind for me too and I did yeah. notice it. Look, it's always a good trick and it always makes things pop and stand out. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked when... She was coming out of the coma talking to her husband. Right. Their faces were coming in and out of colour just a little bit. And And that was so subtle as well. Like, did you, like, it was almost like when it first happened, I was a bit like, oh, hang on, what? Uh, Did that that just occur? I need to adjust my TV. Even (laughs) when the the police drove past and they were dragging the bodies behind. Yeah. And you're kind of like, did everyone else see that? Was that just just me? Yeah. Yeah. Really. The whole, actually, the whole episode was just beautiful. Yeah. You know, from, from go to woe. It was absolutely. And as you were saying, with the doorway and walking into the like it's the TARDIS, right? <laughs> oh yeah, walking in and then walking back out it was amazing. It's uh, it's it's funny. I've I've gotten to a point now where it, after each episode, it was like ah, oh, this one was my favorite episode, and then you get to the next one, ah, oh, no, this one was my favorite episode, and I I almost pushed back on last week's episode ever so slightly just because I was sick of me saying that, but it was my favorite episode, and then <laughs> so I, I'm just not going to say that anymore and just yeah. get to the end. And say, well, there'll be a, pa- a time where you can you'll have watched it all, yeah, and you'll know what's and you can go back and watch it as a complete thing as opposed to what's going to happen next. So yeah, that's going to make a difference. I think the uh, Laurie's episode for me, has probably been the... Uh, probably had the biggest impact on me because, uh, once again, it recontextualized mm. Laurie's story in the graphic novel. And uh, I guess because that's the character we've that I've known the longest, uh, I, I feel like that one stands out the most well, it's for been, me. Well, it's been the only one from the graphic novel that's been so drilled into. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. And she's, uh, that actress is amazing. 
Jane Smart. Just oh, incredible. Yeah. Did you watch Legion? Yes, of course. Oh, Legion yeah, of course, was sorry. amazing. <laughs> what a dumb question. Yeah. And um, what was the other one? She was in Legion and, and Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. But she was great at Legion. Legion was... Every, I did the same thing with it. Legion. Every episode was my favorite episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought that finished really well, actually. I, incredible. Yeah. yeah. It was that, that was one of those things where you got to the end and you went, oh, um, I can't think of the character's name, but the actress, Rachel Keller. Oh, oh. you were the hero. Yeah. No, this is your story. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. Um, also, the, uh, the the two uh, the characters that uh, shared the same body. Yep. Such a fascinating. Oh, they were amazing. Corey and Corey. Oh yeah. 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 So good. Um, in an earlier episode of Watchmen, we saw when Angela looked at the hologram of young Will, uh, the two melded together to mm-hmm. become one person. And in this episode, we get an even more literal representation of what Angela is experiencing. And uh, this kind of reads as a metaphor for intergenerational transmission. And, and I wonder, was there any way Angela could have escaped her fate or are you just constantly bound to your past because of your DNA? Well, they've touched on that in other yeah. episodes when the, there was a guy that wasn't even born when the squid happened, but yeah. his mum was close to it, so he was affected by it. Yeah. So I think that is a bit of a, a through line going through it. It's yeah. it's kind of depressing, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> like, is, uh, it's fascinating, but you think, you know, like, I wonder whatever flaws I contain. And I, I like I would not pretend for any moment to compare things that my family have gone through to, you know, especially with how we're exploring it with African-American people mm. in uh, or, or minorities in America. But you, you, it does make you kind of think, oh, I wonder yeah. what my grandfather experienced that makes me act like a bit of an idiot mm. now or, yeah. or react weirdly to stuff. Yeah, which is a, it is a good out though too, isn't it? So oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah, geez, you were weird last night. Sorry, it was Norm. <laughs> my granddad. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He did a thing back in 1940. It's still yeah. affecting me today. Oh. It's, uh, oh. that's, uh, <laughs> that's why I can't eat grits. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious, uh, what do you think is more depressing? Outright racism like the KKK or the type of polite racism <laughs> that Nelson Gardner exhibits. Mm. Like, he does all this trouble. I, I thought it was... Uh, I felt like it was actually spot on when he... And here he is, you know, it's the original one. Yeah. Hood of Justice. And then he says, okay, here's this Jumps conspiracy. In. And he's, hey. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Don't worry about yeah. it. It's just, just you. Yeah, we've yeah. got this, and even, even the, uh, even the 
explanation in bed that, you know, I'm some of the other Minutemen aren't as progressive yeah. as me. Aren't as coloured. Oh aren't God. as coloured as you as I am. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I think both are horrible, obviously. Yeah. But I was I was gonna say at least the, the Ku Klux Klan aren't pretending they're anything else, but they are when they're not being the Ku Klux Klan. They're, oh yeah, you know, for sure. Completely hiding. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think if if you talk to someone that's that's faced that subtle kind of racism, it would it would hurt just as much, if not more. Because it comes from people you trust. Exactly. You know. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like your defenses are down. Mm. Like if you see a racist person, you're just like, Oh well, here we go. Yeah. But when it's your friend and then yeah. they sort of drop something. Yeah. I guess it's like that with any kind of pain. As well, from fr- that you get from friends. I had a I had a friend of mine. Uh, it was actually an ex girlfriend of mine call me recently, and uh, we hadn't chatted for a while. She's just telling me she's gone through a bit of a uh, a, a rough trot with her friends, and she was saying that oh god, I've been let down by so many people, and I kind of want to cut them off. But if I cut them off, who am I going to hang out with? No. And as someone who has cut off a lot of people who have kind of driven me crazy. You do hang out by yourself a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, you, your instincts are correct. Yeah, but that's the price you pay, I guess, and you're probably healthier for it. Yeah, I yeah. would say so. I think I'm slightly crazier in, in some ways, but, you know, I think they manifest themselves in this podcast. <laughs> so it's done good. <laughs> it's done good. <laughs> I need them to come back with another season. No pressure. Or <laughs> uh, right. right, I might uh, have the cheese slip further off the cracker. Well, Doctor Who's coming back soon. Doctor Who is coming back soon. Oh, thank goodness. And Westworld is coming uh, back yes. soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a show that is well worth the deep dive. I have, Yes, I. this is terrible to it's admit. It's not for you? I don't even know what it was. We watched the entire first season apart from the last episode. And I just... I, that <laughs> I'm fascinated when that happens with people. Uh, fascinated. Uh, and I couldn't even... It was, I think it was the reveal of um, Jeremy... Uh, Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey Wright, Wright's yeah. character Yeah Because it was such a It was supposed to be a big twist And I was like Yeah Right what, what else was What else was going on there of Right you know, Yeah So I don't know And it was I know It was one of the You know when you watch The West Wing And it made you feel smart Right Westworld made me feel dumb <laughs> Oh right Yeah <laughs> well going, I have no idea What's going on Yeah I watch right. a lot of television <laughs> you know? I always feel like uh, The One of the criticisms Of Westworld Is they They were like uh, I kept reading people saying, oh, the same thing keeps happening over and over again. And I was, that to me was the point. Yeah. You know, the point, like, the, so so when uh, Dolores, you know, finally breaks free of that, mm. it, it had more emotional resonance for me because I'd seen the terrible life that she'd gone through. Yeah. I thought the second season was fantastic. I think she's amazing. Uh. I th- she'd be one of those people that if you met you... You'd be exhausted afterwards because you'd spend, I don't know, if you got to talk to her for 20 minutes, you'd spend 20 minutes just trying not to be... An idiot. Saying, <laughs> oh, God, you're fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Her her acting's fantastic. Um, but, yeah. Uh, well, it's still there for you, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. It's funny. Do you watch Mr. Robot? No. I, there was a revelation in the latest episode of Mr. Robot. I've always thought that was uh, a solid show, uh-huh. you know. But it was, uh, I think, what worked against it was the first season implied that it was going to be groundbreaking yeah and then i think it's just been good like i just think it's been relatively solid you know and that's a that's a weird criticism to Mm. give something but uh there was a revelation in in uh, in an episode recently that i sat there and and it was all beautifully acted and really well done and then it got to the end and i had that same thing of yeah 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 that's i've thought that for four seasons but it's it's hard to 
it's hard to squash that voice, mm. isn't it? To yeah. just go, no, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just the way it's presented. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're going all over the shop with this. God, so many podcasts I could do. Um, <laughs> the use of the Cyclops projector psychically manipulating innocent people in a cinema isn't unlike uh, Veidt's psychically exploding big squid in New York. Uh, like, we know Adrian isn't a good guy, but does this kind of make him not much better than the racist KKK? <laughs> like, it, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of. Um, pushing your own concerns at the detriment of other people that you feel are inferior, yeah. I guess. But, I mean, there's a lot of argument to say that he isn't a bad guy. Yes. You know, um, but I think he is. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I guess the, he he was doing it for the good in his mind. He was doing it for the good of humanity. I, right. I, I don't think you can say race cleansing. No. It's ever for the, you know. Well, it's for them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it also reminded me of um, Kingsman. Oh right! Oh yes, mm. yes, you yes. The scene in the church. Yeah, they, yeah. The by far the best scene. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd uh, completely forgotten about that. I saw that uh, with a friend of mine. Who have you ever sat next to a, a good friend in a movie who's enjoying a film so much more than you to the extent it it, it ruins it for you? Yes. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened with uh, a pal of mine yeah. and I. Uh, he was he was really hung over and then right. he uh, <laughs> <laughs> that can, that can completely change your viewing experience. <laughs> yeah, he was like I was kind of like going, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, <laughs> but he loved it. Um, while I think of it, I, on, on our Facebook page, and I thought this was interesting, and I, I've I've deliberately saved this for you, Steph. On our Facebook page, uh, Paul Yang wrote to me and he said I've always been fascinated that Adrian Veidt wants to save the world and then he uh, gets rid of Dr. Manhattan and it's like well why don't you just keep Dr. Manhattan there and everything's going to be fine and he wrote to me and said that his interpretation was that he believed Adrian removed Dr. Manhattan because he didn't trust the Americans with the one powerful weapon so no one can have the one powerful weapon so if I take him off the board and replace that one weapon with the weapon of fear for everybody, then that's the way the plan will work. And I'd never really thought about it that yeah, way. And that I thought that makes complete sense. Yeah, I thought Paul really nailed that. Yeah. I was wrapped. It was one of those things where you read it and you go, oh, well, now I get to have another read yeah. of the graphic novel and get to have a look at it from a slightly different angle. Yeah, well, because it's that thing of, um, it's like Red Sun with um, Superman. Oh, yeah. If he lands in Russia, it's yeah. a completely different world yeah. that you're you're facing, you know, and it yeah. was just by luck that he happens to be, so same with Manhattan, it's just by luck that he happens to be American to start with. Yeah. But if he turns to anybody else, then, yeah. They've got the they've got the thing. Have you ever read Grant Morrison's Multiversity? No. I so they're, they're, it's all like it's 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 an it's all separate stories that kind of tell one overarching story. But there is the uh, the German Superman, right. which is once again a similar idea. Mm. Um, worthwhile reading because the first page is literally uh, Adolf Hitler on the toilet, struggling having a shit. And that is, Great. you know what? That's that's how I feel like you, we should remember Hitler. <laughs> and now I will. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've heard of. I haven't read it yet, but I hear good things. I, I, I try to read everything that Grant Morrison does. Because yeah. It's always going to be good in some way. I know. I'm always I'm always scared to mention Morrison on this uh, podcast because of the more Morrison rivalry. Uh, yeah. Well. But uh, you know, hey. you would think you would have to. I know he doesn't, but you would have to think that Alan Moore would actually like this. Oh. Like he's he's a man of principles. I know. I, I think kind we're, of respect we're him about for this not. on the weekend. He's he's painted himself into a corner. Like he can't. Yeah. If if it came out, and it was the best adaptation of anything he'd ever done, or it was like he can't now turn around and go, well, that was good. 
You know? Right. I wonder. Yeah. yeah. No. He can, well, he can't. I would love to know. You know. You know the conversation I want to see. Hmm. When he catches up with Dave Gibbons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah. Because Dave Gibbons is, you know, like he he's got a credit on this, yeah. and, uh, and he's, he's been on board for all of the all of the things, right? Yeah. So there's a part of you that, yeah. you know. So what have you been up to? Oh, not much, Alan. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> Heaps of things that don't include watching HBO. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well. Yeah. So have uh, you seen Game of Thrones? Ah, oh, uh, this is going to be a really short this, conversation. This is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here's my uh, a little segment I call... Oh, what do you want to do? Do you want to do I Spend Too Much Time Alone or do you want to go into Mum Facts? Oh, what's your favourite? Uh, you said your mum had good facts. <laughs> mum, was <on> a <laughs> <laughs> mum was on a roll. I can't tell you how much she is loving this. <laughs> and, uh, like, uh, so she... So I only just told her recently that she's become the... Uh, the breakout star the of this hero podcast. Of the podcast, yeah. And um, she can't get her head around that. She just thinks that's uh, a crazy talk. But I think she has embraced it because I, she called me and we had a chat, had a long chat. Yeah. She was telling me lots of things. And uh, there was a couple of things that I'd already picked up on, but some stuff that I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was one email that had five links to mesmerism and uh, the, the the end of the French Enlightenment. and right. And then... There was uh, three more emails and then there was another email and then there was an email saying, uh, sorry, I've gone overboard. <laughs> <laughs> but she's so into this. And I, um, I, was, I was talking to uh, uh, your wife, Kat, because oh, we just performed together on, uh, at the sit-down comedy club on Friday and Saturday and yes. I was saying to her that, um, you know, this, this hasn't really been her cup of tea. And it, it's interesting, actually, because when I was talking to Kat about it, I think that she has... She knows that uh, there's so much that goes on in the graphic novel. I think that she's bringing extra to the series as in, I don't understand what's going on. That must be from the graphic novel, so this isn't for me. But I actually think a lot of those things are actually only from the series. Yeah. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I think I, I can understand that. But I get that. it. Because, you know, like when you see like a... And when Kevin Feige came out and said if you don't get um, the Marvel TV shows, you won't understand the next Marvel movies. Right. And it might only be little things, but if I was watching it, if I ever watch one, like I don't think I've watched any of the Marvel without seeing the ones before, because there's always that niggling thing of, oh yeah, what am I not getting here? Yeah. And there is a bit of that in, in the Watchmen series. Without a doubt. But then I thought in episode five, when they did the, the squid reveal, mm. if you hadn't read the comics, that's a, that's a good reveal. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. like you, it, it would eventually tell you. Yeah. What, what you're missing out on. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a little bit, uh, you know. <laughs> I, th- I think I've said this on the podcast already. After the first episode, people say, "I don't know what's going on." It's like it's the first episode. Yeah. Like it's just just yeah. wait. It's yeah. only nine episodes. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. And it, it's not because we you haven't read the comic that you don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on in it. Like we're, like that's part of the fun. Yeah. That's what storytelling used to be. Yes. <laughs> and he's very good at it. Like it's the leftovers, so you had no idea what was going on oh up until the last episode. Oh my god. Like so I uh just before I came up to Brisbane I had a night where I was gonna do some work and then I was just a bit tired and couldn't be bothered and I thought, Oh, you know what, I'll watch the second to last episode with his twin and then, yeah. you know, that's in Fitzroy. Uh, mm-hmm. a lot of it was filmed in Fitzroy yeah. where I used to live. So yeah. I was like having a nice time. And I thought I might as well just watch the the last one, the book of Nora and anyway, got to the end and just went, What a what a magnificent piece of work. Amazing. That yeah. What, what oh, anyway, uh, look, I, uh, 
I'm about to go on an, uh, a 13-hour talk about why I love the leftovers, and if anyone doesn't like it, they're wrong. <laughs> um, let me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my. I spend too much time alone. Thought. Okay. And then we'll get into the mum facts. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, th- there's lots of bits this time, but um, I'm starting to wonder if Lady True's Millennium Clock is a device after today's episode. Is it going to be used to mesmerise the world oh. on a on a global level? And so they're s- somehow going to add memories to everyone to make the world what it what it, what they want it to be, and and people will remember it as always being that. And the reason I kind of, so I've I've been wondering what the clock would be anyway, but it reminds me of the Sandman comic where the dream of a thousand cats. Have you ever read that one? No. So in it, uh, there's a cat that goes around at. Uh, trying to uh, speak to all the other cats and it explains to them that once upon a time the world was a place that was ruled by giant cats and people were small and did the bidding of of the felines mm-hmm. and then a thousand people dreamed the same dream where they dreamed the world into existence and now this is the way the world has always been with people in charge and cats to play things and this cat is trying to get a thousand cats to dream the same dream so they yeah. can dream the world back. So the, that was kind of where the, you know, are they going to try and add memories to the world to, and, you know, maybe she's building on Adrian Veidt's work but sees how it hasn't quite worked out properly. Mm. So she's going to mass produce the world into thinking a, in a certain way rather than just on the one act of fear. Yeah. So that was, so I had that and then I wondered if, there's someone from the Seventh Cavalry who knows this is going to happen and is trying to bring Vite back to prove he created this whole mess and they can stop Lady True from continuing the work. Because they are working, obviously, with the we saw with the basketballs that they're yeah. trying to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and so maybe maybe Adrian was taken off the board to make sure that he didn't you know, ruin that plan and now they're trying to bring him back, which would also kind of fit in with their cross... You know how everyone's motivation doesn't... Like, we just thought immediately, oh, the 7th Cavalry are racist and yeah. now we're... So now we're, we're uns- like, they are obviously that, but there's also other things going on. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, and also, I don't know if, if I'm forgetting this, but remember when she bought the property off the people by giving yeah. them a baby? Yeah. And the thing crashed? Yeah. Did we find out what the thing was? No. We haven't found that out yet? No. No. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Could be, and it, they could even be going to mind swoop everyone to bring it back to what it was before Veet brought the the squid. Right. You know. Maybe. Yeah. There's still the the theory floating around that she is the baby of the comedian. Oh yeah. Uh, so when the woman was shot, they saved the baby. Yeah. Right. And then that would that I I don't know if that is what's going to happen but that is tasty mm. if she and Laurie are the yeah daughters of the comedian yes fantastic <laughs> do you think any of the original cast will reprise their roles or is that they're not going to muddy those waters like would would Billy Crudup be Dr Manhattan no 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 mm. i think the i think the movie's off the t- like the movie's off the table i think the it's the graphic novel yeah and this i don't think they've looked at the uh, the spin-off series by, you know, Darwin Cook and all mm. of those. I don't think any of them are on the table. Mm. I definitely don't think Jeff John's Doomsday Clock <laughs> is on the table. So yeah. I think it's, uh, from what I've read, you know, uh, the, the, the quote is, Lindelof said, 
he and the writers considered the graphic novel the Old Testament, and this is right, fair enough. You know yeah. where we're building from. So um, it's a shame too because I actually thought he was pretty good. I thought Patrick Wilson was actually really good as Nidal. Yeah, yeah, everyone was great. I but they, Pat- but they did well. Jeremy Irons is great as Feet. You know, <laughs> so good, so good, so good. Yeah, all of that stuff. Interesting to see. Um, once again, dead bodies being moved yes. and burnt and, yeah. and rearranged. It's yeah. all, all these echoes. And once again, I'm sure there is stuff that we're missing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to all the times I <laughs> watch this and go, oh. oh it's always fun. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's always fun. Uh, so here's his mum coming to the fore. Okay. Uh, so she pointed out uh, Amos... And Andy was mentioned. That was uh-huh. a popular radio show that was chock full of racial stereotypes and yes. cliches with uh, the two black characters portrayed by white men. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that bit. I knew it was right. racist. But did I think if I thought it through, I could have worked that out. But I, I just knew You never gave it that much thought. Yeah. 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 Um, and so this, of course, as mum said, this echoes down the ages with the American hero story revealing a white hooded justice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, she was very excited that she noticed during the fight in Fred's store, Will tosses the criminal into a lettuce display. Yes, I noticed that too. <laughs> nice one, mum. <laughs> She's loving it. Um, the movie The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is mm-hmm. a story about a man who is lost in his daydreams and by the end of the movie has had a real life adventure which helps him build up the courage to take action and stand up for himself, which is kind of mirrors Will's story to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. Um, the dreaming side of that story is kind of reflected in Angela's dreamlike visions. I think it's worthwhile pointing out it's the Danny Kay version, not the Ben Stiller it version. Is, yeah, <laughs> it is very much the Danny Kay version, yes. Um, I've already mentioned she sent me an article about the difference between mesmerism and hypnotism. Yeah. Mesmerism is where no single word is used to create a trance-like state whereas hypnotism is dependent on the voice and sounds around the client. And mesmerism was also around in the United States back as far as the early 19th century. Right. So around 1930s, there was a French sugar planter named Charles Poyen who was using his powers to... And it was a, it was a form of control and kind of became a bit of a thing. Yeah, right. So that's fascinating. Um, going full horseshoe. Yes. Uh, the title of this episode, which is This Extraordinary Being... Which made me also think it was going to be about Dr. Manhattan. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, it comes from a line in Under the Hood, which is the memoir by Hollis Mason, yep. and is part of his description of Hood of Justice, uh, who, of course, is the hero that inspires the original Night Owl. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also used in an essay by a French biologist called... And I apologise to anyone who is French or who can speak French. Uh, Armand de Quatrages. It was published in Popular Science Monthly in the 1870s, where the author suggests that white Europeans should consider that people of colour have the same rights and humanity as them, and as evidence, uh, use their art, culture, language, and morality to strengthen his argument. And the complete line in that article is. These exclusively human faculties seem admirably to complete this exceptional being. Right. He was ahead of his time, wasn't he? Yeah, right. Yeah. That was good. I was... Uh, now, now and again, like, there was... Uh, one of the uh, writers for the show, uh, Claire Keishel, what did she... Uh, she put up on Twitter something. I'll see if I can find it. And I couldn't... She... she oh, God. I, I, I love this and it... 
and it was like, ah, I can't find what it is. She wrote, look up who owned Queen's first supermarket. And throughout everything else, I was trying to look that up. So uh, I could not find what that is. But anyway, hopefully I'll find it before. I, I've got another podcast coming out this week with Ben Elwood, which is uh, chapter six of the graphic novel. So hopefully I'll find it by then. But if anyone else has found it, go to the Facebook page <laughs> and please send it through because I just uh, ran out of time to really chase that one down. Maybe it's the name of the guy that runs the shop. It's Fred, maybe? Yeah. Fred something? Fred something. It could be. I was trying to look that up, but every time I was looking up uh, Queens and stuff like that, I was getting all this other stuff, and then, you know, it's like, I'm running out of time. Especially with the news cycle at the moment. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Why is everything so dense? Um, So now we're up to the squid bits. Uh, So apart from the glimpse of action number one, drawing more parallels between Will and Superman, it's great that he reads that and he's inspired. He flashes back to... yeah. Kind of gets into his head. Yeah. Must be crazy to have, you know, he's had that experience and then he, you know, he, he hears the overall description of the Superman story and goes, oh. Oh, that's kind of, yeah. So it was, it was it was done so nicely as well. It was so subtle. And, you know, so then when he's in that alley, it seems like a very natural thing for him to, to snap into do. it. Yeah. 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 Um, so he's uh, shown the comic by an immigrant news vendor. Uh, of course, Superman is the ultimate immigrant. And uh, it was, uh, and Will's partner June is a newspaper reporter, like yes, Lois Lane, of course. So that's I pretty cool. That one, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, Superman was, of course. I, I, I was, I was going to do a deep dive on June. I didn't have time to do. Uh, to I thought I might find something there as well. All I could think was is that June first is the start of summer mm-hmm. in. America, so I wonder if I could draw a parallel there. But then again, that might be too much, but whatever. <laughs> this is why I love the show. Uh, Superman was, of course, created during a rise in anti-Semitism and in his early adventures uh, attacked men who committed domestic violence and corruption in yeah. government. Uh, in, in one, uh, in the first one or in one of the first comics, he uh takes down a lobbyist who's trying to get America to join the war under false pretenses. Yes, that rings a bell. That's great. Yeah. Uh it's I wish um when you know when they did the new 52 and they uh, reimagined all those heroes. Mm. Uh Grant Morrison brought him back as a wearing jeans and a t-shirt and mm. stuff and uh sometimes there's so many good ideas that you you think, "Oh, why couldn't why couldn't you have done that for I would have read that for five years, yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> like yeah. It would have been fun, but you know people want him to get back to the yeah. flying around, moving planets. Yeah. Well, his work on Animal Man was amazing. Oh, yes. It's insane. Oh, like, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. The moment when I turn that page and you've got Buddy Baker saying, I can see you, and it's like, I can see you. Yeah. <laughs> well, even the, the newer ones of that, when it turned into almost like a horror um, comic and he was um, yeah. with the Swamp Thing was still very good. Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a good writer too. Yeah. I like Jeff's work. Uh, Jeff's work as if I'm <laughs> pals with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would if be if you met. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, reimagining Hood of Justice as an African-American uh, subverts the costume mm-hmm. with the dark mask inverting the Klan uh, mask and the, you know, it suddenly makes the noose around the neck incredibly charged. More. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think that was always, I, I think the design of it was originally, you know, he's an executioner. You yeah, know, that was the thought, but yeah. now it's even. So how <coughs> how does the um the the hero story get it so wrong then? 
Well, I guess they don't know who he is. And they're like, just filling you know. in the blanks. Well, in the comic, uh, they... So, in American Hero Story, there is a... You know, I think there's maybe the first episode, there's the voiceover and it's like, you know, it's that, here's me, Dad, but it's not really me, yeah. you know. And, he, yes. and so, there was... Uh, I think it's even implied in the graphic novel that he may have... Uh, they they never really found out who he, who was, he was, and uh, you know there were rumors, etc. So mm. if he just stopped doing it and yeah. got away, and you know nobody found out, yeah, then this this TV show is built on rumors, etc. Which also fits in perfectly with Doctor Manhattan can't change his skin color. And yeah, yeah. I have um, I I said this on last week's podcast, but I am. I, by the way, I'm totally fine if I'm wrong. But I love theorising so much. I'm totally into the idea that Cal is Dr. Manhattan trying to reconnect. Like, he knows that Angela's important. Yeah. So, he's kind of trying to live this normal life to reconnect. Because Cal, Cal Cal-El, you know. There is something definitely going on with Cal. Yeah, and they talked about some, you know, she mentioned very succinctly uh, when Laurie came to speak to him. And that he he can't lie. Yeah, but did you mention your injury? Uh, no. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah. so throwaway. Yeah. I thought there's nothing throwaway in this show. No, that's true. You clever, oh, glorious assholes. Her kid has powers too. Well, was that powers or was that, that was a magnetic thing that he was putting together? I thought that was him. Just a toy? Yeah, but. Yeah, I, got but a bu- I got a vibe. But it also looked like yeah. the castle on Mars and it yeah. looks like castle. So, you know, maybe he's picking up on some mm. psychic. And he's been quiet lately. He's been really quiet. Mm, that's what always when you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so this was something that I discovered uh, doing some quick reading. Uh, having a gay black person be the original inspiration for American superheroes uh, sort of mirrors the Sister Rosette Tharp story. She was a gay black woman who helped start or, or she did start the sound of rock and roll in the 30s and the 40s, right. was an inspiration for Elvis, and she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame only two years ago, wow. while Elvis was inducted in 1986 when Watchmen was published. It all comes together. <laughs> Everything makes sense. Uh, one of the bands highlighted on this episode, uh, by the way, Mum this was Mum sent me this, but I, I'm, I'm going to take this one because okay. I found this one first, but I have to say Mum pointed this out as well. Uh, one of the bands highlighted on this episode is the all-black group The Ink Spots, which, of course, reminds us of Rorschach, and I'm guessing wouldn't be a fan favourite of the 7th Cavalry. No. Um, uh, as Mum and I were discussing, the song We Three, the lyric contains my shadow, my echo and me, and That's this represents song. what Will is living, yeah. his haunted past, his secret life and the real person he is. Yeah, the soundtrack throughout this whole one really <laughs> was important. Yeah, yeah, really important. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was getting that Birdman vibe as well. You're expecting, you know, Will Reese comes around the corner, there's a drummer. Yeah, well, that's the piano. Yeah, it's so good. Smoke Gets in Your Eyes is performed by Eartha Kitt, who played Catwoman on the 60s Batman series. This song comes from a Broadway show called Roberta, where the lead character was played by actress Faye Templeton, who was at one time married to a performer called William Billy West, who was also known for appearing in minstrel shows. Wow. Oh, man, I can't believe I have to do a gig tonight. Like, you know, like, oh, I've, all I want to do is talk about this, watch the episode again, do an intro and outro, and then go to bed and sleep. Um, I can't believe how smart people are. 
Oh, I know. Do you know? Like writing so it's super this stuff. Smart. It's, I mean, I know there's 10 people all sitting around. They can go, why don't we do this? But it's, it's so deep, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's, yeah, because you also then have to, you know, everyone's throwing their ideas around and then you have to make it all coherent. come together and yeah. coherent. And, and not step on any toes or not step on any timelines or, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, guess the, I, I guess the way to layer things is uh, when we used to do the comedy show The Shelf, yep. because we had a return audience that would come all the time, we used to... The, the deal I used to say to people when we were ad-libbing and doing stuff on stage is there's no problem with in-jokes, but they can't be destination jokes. They have to be flavour along the way. Yeah. And I wonder if that's how you approach writing something like this. You can't, it, it can't have an episode just finish on, there's Dr. Manhattan. You go, but hang on, I haven't had any build-up yeah. or... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as long as it's in the background flavouring yeah. it. Not even important to the actual story, but just... The, yeah. the sprinkles on top where you go because uh, what seventy five percent of people wouldn't even notice half of this stuff. No, yeah. no, most people, you know, have not as much time on their hands <laughs> as I do. <laughs> but you know, uh, but I'm always amazed by that. Uh, I remember in when I was reading Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing as single issues as a young fella, and someone back in the day when they used to have their letters page, and someone wrote in and broke down the meaning behind John Constantine's name. Mm. And I remember even as a teenager being dazzled by that. Everything from the obvious with JC, you know, Jesus Christ, but yeah. also talking about the Newcastle incident and how that was almost like his resurrection moment and Constantine was the first Roman emperor who introduced Christianity yeah. to the Roman world. And it was all in this one name. You know, there was a throwaway panel where he called Batman Squire, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. and it was like, yeah, how how do you pull all of these things together yeah. to make this one character? And then at the bottom, it was like, by Timmy, age 12. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Timmy. <laughs> so smart. Um, at the end, when Lady True turns up, she is reading Anne Rand's uh, The Fountainhead, a story about a young architect who designs modernist buildings and refuses to compromise. It reflects Rand's belief that individualism is superior to collectivism. Randian politics resonated with comic book creator Steve Ditko, who created the heroes The Question, Mr. A, who both embodied those ideals and these heroes were the blueprint for Rorschach. Rorschach. Yeah. Um, and there are reports that Zack Snyder is about to remake the original movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's all tasty. Uh, I've already said uh, Lieutenant Samuel J. Battle was in fact the first black police officer in New York City. Wow. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, the co-writer of this episode, called Jefferson, has great name, by the way, mm. has gone on the record of saying that the symbol the members of Cyclops give each other was designed before the OK symbol used by the alt-right had adopted it oh, as a gesture. So for right. them, it's a bit of a yeah. unhappy coincidence. Yeah, you right. just go, oh, you know. It is the worst secret symbol I've ever seen. It's very hard to do subtly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But it's also one of those things where I think there's a... As you see with the people using the stuff now, there's a, there's an arrogance to it yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm using I'm yeah. using a symbol, but yeah, you know, I don't kind of care what you think. And the other problem they've got is everyone in Australia just wants to put their finger through it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and make that noise yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cyclops can of course refer to the big squid as well as the eye of the projector. Exalted 
Cyclops is also a position within the clan's ranks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in New York, 1922, there was a newspaper article about a Baptist minister who attempted to recruit clan members into his congregation. The mayor at the time instructed the police commissioner to go after the KKK, and they found 30 members of the police force wow. had white hoods in their closets. Wow. They stayed on the force because it was decided they hadn't really broken the law. Wow. So that's depressing. Yes. Um, in 1939, I'm sure you're across this, a Nazi rally was organised at Madison Square Garden on George Washington's birthday and was billed as a pro-Americanism rally. 20,000 people attended. The stage at the event featured a huge George Washington portrait with swastikas on either side. Uh, this is also the site for the squid teleportation. Maybe um, that's Lady True's plan. She's going <laughs> to send the squid back in time, back in time to <laughs> 1939 <laughs> to take those races out. <laughs> I'm into that as an idea. Um, Fred was played by Glenn Fleshler, who's appeared in many things, but uh, also played uh, the groundskeeper bad guy in True Detective. Oh, right. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, that, that poor guy, well, I bet he's lovely. He <laughs> turns up just as an arsehole in so many things. It's always, always those actors, aren't there? Oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, like the um, uh, Billy Drago from The Untouchables. Yeah. He, he, he's never going to be in a rom-com. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, it's a... It's a full-on rom-com. Yes. It's an aggressive rom-com. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then then I'll finish on this one because this is uh, just just nice. And by the way, I, as I was saying to you before, I feel like I missed heaps. Like right. I feel like there's heaps in this that I've missed Again, and it, it would was, take it, me weeks. Yeah, it was a big episode. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was so distracting with all the things going on. Yeah. Like, there was a lot going on in every scene. Especially yeah. when the camera doesn't stop. There's a lot to yeah. really take in. So. And you're, like you're constantly like you're also having a good time. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Regina King, who of course starred in season two of The Leftovers, uh, her son in that show was played by Jovan Adipo, who played the young Will Reeves in this episode. Oh, that wow. was him. Yeah. I was sitting there watching it. He's obviously, you know, it's been a few years since then, and I was uh, I didn't recognize him at yeah. first. And then there was some point that I went, oh wait a minute. Yeah. You, uh, anyway, you buried Kevin Garvey. <laughs> and a special note has to be said about her. She is amazing. Regina oh. King. She's just insanely good. Even some In the of the wheelchair. Things, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because she was completely doing Lou Gossett Jr. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. immediately, like, I know that we knew what was going on, but you looked and it was like, yeah. oh, yeah. that is Lou Gossett. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, that was very subtle, but really well done. Man. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, I was... Even the blinking. Mm. <laughs> like, I knew, like, what a weird... Yeah. What, what was one of your favourite things about the episode? Oh, R Regina King can really she blink. She can blink. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the, the pressure and the, uh, mm. you know, the, the termination with it and the, the blankness. What a what a, an outstanding episode of TV. Yeah. Lindelof really... Uh, he, he knows with uh, the teams that he works with, you know, you have, like, Lost had the constant... You know, yeah. uh, leftovers. Like, remember the first time you watched International Assassin? Yes. And you were like, "What? What is going on? What about when um, uh, Larry from Perfect Strangers shows up? Oh my god! Oh my god! And the theme tune is the Perfect Strangers. So straight away, you go, "What's going on here? What's oh my god! Uh, amazing!" And you know, and what I like is, you know, you hear these stories about when they were first putting the show together, and it, it just pitch 
the famous people that have disappeared and people are like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, you yeah. know, the Pope, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then someone in the in the room said, uh, the cast of Perfect Strangers and everyone laughs so hard. And then he keeps that. Yeah. And then you have the little tasty build on of it in yeah. the second season. Yeah. And then you get the massive, like, 180 degree payoff yeah. in the third. Yeah, it was insane. And I think that's what happened with the... Um, if I read this correctly, I could have this wrong, but I think the the big blue vibrating <laughs> dildo was yeah. a was a <laughs> suggestion. Then, oh, in the yeah, middle yeah. of yes, we will do that. <laughs> um, any uh, last thoughts before I let you go, Stav, on uh, on where this might be going? Or it's it's Lindelof, so you can't you know y- yeah. y- you can't really say. I mean, obviously, you got to think Veet's going to get back to Earth. Right. Somehow, yeah, um, and um, and we left that in a precarious situation actually at the, the last uh, episode before this one with yeah. his, um, being well, he, imprisoned. They were going to like he'd been knocked out and he was about to be taken to jail. Taken to jail, yeah. yeah. So that'll be yeah, that'll be interesting. L- uh, looking Glass is in a bad place, possibly. Yeah. Well, I did. A li- I was looking at a little bit of um, stuff online before I came over, and it was sort of written that he it's th- that he is dead. But you'd have to think he would put up a fight. I don't think that's been concluded yet. Um, no. W- whether or not, but he could be. But um, yeah. But it's it's it. I mean, I, I still remember watching the last the last episode of of the leftovers, mm. where and I won't ruin it if you haven't seen it because it's amazing. But when they they rev- and you just go, oh, of course, right. But I never thought of it. Yeah. But of course. So I, it's just with him, you just enjoy the ride because yeah. you're never going to get what's going on because he's all he's he's two three steps ahead of you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And never to. I reckon what happens with uh, these types of shows is people so, like sometimes the criticism of oh they're just mysteries that need to be solved is really unfair because I think they write really good people mm. like you know like i i'm invested in angela mm. i'm invested in laurie yeah. i mean you know wade even, even just thinking about it now there isn't a clear-cut good guy no you know no everyone's got their own motives and agendas but there's not one single person that you're sort of you and know. i'm curious about where you know like we i, I think everyone had kind of guessed that uh, the clansman costume was uh judd's grandfathers or fathers or whatever he said you yeah. know and that was um and i you know maybe like I, i'm still not totally convinced that he judd crawford is bad. definitively a bad guy yeah um but yeah, it was, it was certainly hinted strongly at the end of that episode last yeah. week that he may have made a mistake in in killing him maybe yeah. you know that's uh that, that was kind of a really interesting scene seeing it from uh from that angle wasn't yeah. it uh it's been great and, uh, you know, there's only three episodes left. That's the other thing. How are they going to cram whatever they have to cram into three episodes? Well, I I have full faith. Oh, God, they'll yeah. do it. <laughs> they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. We might even get a special movie length end, an uh, hour and a half. That'd yeah. be lovely. Look, I think, uh, like, I'd be, like I, I think this episode, it's the longest one that's been on so far. Yeah, it's and, 58 and it's like, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, even if they... Push it out to 65. I'll be wrapped. That's true. A little bit more. I'm yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm happy with whatever they give me. But yeah. if you want to give me more, yeah. I'm wrapped. Yeah. There's something about <laughs> that too, isn't it? Because there's so many things I watch these days where I go, you know what? If you'd have trimmed 20 minutes off of that, that would have been a classic. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 No, I, <laughs> that is, uh, you know, sometimes more is not more. No. But, uh, you know, 
with this, it's uh, I, w- I would be very happy for them to go. Guess what? We were lying. We've got the second season on yeah. the way. I'd go. Yeah. Excellent. I don't think he will. Do you? I don't know. Uh, you know, there's been talk of uh, you know. I, I like the. I feel like he's got the Nolan approach to the yeah. Dark Knight trilogy. You know, yeah. it's like we're going to make the first one. We're putting all our eggs into this basket, yeah. and then okay, we'll make this second one. Not thinking about a third one. Yeah. Goes off and does something else. Okay, we're going to do a third one, but you know they've you've seen the interviews with Christian Bale recently where they said we're not making any more and they were yeah. offered to do a fourth and yeah. they said no. Yeah. If if this is all it is and it's like the first season of True Detective or you know yeah. uh, you know there's heaps of shows like Sharp Objects I'd hate to see come back I loved Sharp Objects I thought the performances in that were phenomenal um, and if it's just that I'm more than content to keep yeah. it at that. But yeah, uh, it's like Joker. Oh, well, you weren't as big a fan, but um, no. there, were, there are rumours of a Joker sequel and I'm kind of like, nah. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Mate, when when a movie that costs, what, $60 million to make makes, makes over a billion, billion. You, 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 I can't wait to see the McDonald's Happy Meal that goes with <laughs> it in, in like the fourth episode. Yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, Stav, thank you very much for being on the show. No, thank you for having me. That brings us to the end of the podcast. A big thank you to Stav Davidson for joining me and a big thank you to all of you for dropping by. As I said earlier, I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff in this episode, so please share anything I missed over at our Facebook page. There's also a conversation page that anyone can join. As soon as I see your request there, I'll click on your name so you can write freely without fear of spoiling it for anyone else. The crew there are fantastic. They're a fun bunch. Everyone's having a nice chat and you're more than welcome to come along and uh, hang out with all of us. Uh, If you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a positive review and rating on whichever platforms you use. And uh, don't forget to check out the official Watchmen podcast. Uh, As I said earlier, I'm going to listen to Lindelof on my next flight. So if there's anything that supports or contradicts anything in this podcast, I'll cover it in the next episode. The next episode, Ben Elwood is back. We're going to break down chapter six of the graphic novel uh, and that is uh, always fun because you know how fantastic Ben is and uh, you know it's uh, we recorded that one pretty early actually so uh, there's some stuff in there that you will find amusing in in hindsight but uh, we'll we'll save it until we get to that episode before I uh, point out <laughs> what that actually is uh Once again, don't forget Pedipedia for extra information. I have a feeling that the next Nine Inch Nails album is out this week as well. And I'm very excited about that too. Uh, And and I guess uh, just before I leave you, I just want to reiterate how much uh, I'm not only loving this TV show, as you've probably gathered, uh, but I'm I'm also loving all of you and your contributions to uh, this experience uh, in a world that constantly feels more and more divided. I like knowing you're all out there, you know, somewhere in the world, still, uh, you know, enjoying art and I guess allowing it to inspire you to shake your head in wonder. What a a nice experience for us to all share and uh, I'm wrapped that we're all doing it together. Okay. Take care. I'll stop rambling. Go and do whatever it is you have to do and uh, we'll be back very soon uh, with the next podcast. Until then.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.